Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to this episode of Sunday Messages. And today we are talking about the very popular topic of self-concept. I think that there's variety to how people consider this, but I'm just going to give you my take, my understanding, my perspective on what self-concept is and how it's related to the three dimensions that we're focusing on in Once Upon a Time. So as I've said before, if you've been keeping up with this topic throughout the previous podcast episodes, there are three core elements to Once Upon a Time that we're going to be doing. So the first one is character work. The second one is storytelling. And the third element is self-concept. To me, self-concept is your default way of considering yourself. And, And the default aspect of this is really, really, really important because it's automatic. So, you know, when people are referring to subconscious, I I have a little bit of beef with the idea of subconscious whatever. Like, if you have awareness about a pattern, it's not subconscious. Okay, like, if you can see it clearly, if you have awareness of it, it's not subconscious. What I consider to be subconscious is just What is automatic? What feels like second nature? What is the default thought form that you fall into around certain things? It's what is what is automated. And so once you're able to see that clearly, it's no longer truly subconscious because your awareness is on it. Let me give you I know that I'm kind of splitting hairs with all of this, but it it does matter. So let's think about tying your shoes. You could just tie your shoes and you wouldn't even really need to give it any thought. But as soon as you have your awareness and attention on the tying of your shoes, it's no longer subconscious because you're bringing your full awareness and full presence to taking the laces, crossing them over, putting one under the other, tying it making a loop, you know, you know, that whole process, you can slow it down and expand it and get really present with it in which you would take it out of the subconscious category. So when it comes to self-concept, it is default. It is automatic. It's something that you are just experiencing. A really good example of this is When you're going through your day or when you have an experience and your automatic thought is, of course, of course it went that way. Like if, um, let's say you're dating and then the person that you're dating ghosts you and you say, of course, that's a strong indication of your self-concept and where your self-concept is at in relationship to dating and your expectations of dating and your expectations of how other people are going to treat you. All of that is your self-concept. And you notice it's not that you're trying. You're not putting conscious awareness and thought around that topic and and voluntarily responding with, of course, you're automatically doing it. It's just this knee-jerk reaction that you're giving to the situation that you're experiencing. However, you have a lot of, you have a lot of areas of your life and your self-concept is something as it pertains to that area of life. So if you have a strong expectation that you're always feeling bad, like physically, you're always sick, something is always wrong, you're always injured, this is just how it is, this, you know, there's a lot of momentum behind that in terms of your identity and self-concept as related to your physical health, right? This is also, if you're familiar with Joe Dispenza's work, at all. I know not everyone is a fan, but there is one thing that is really important that he does share, which is when people are going into spontaneous remissions and you ask the person, whoever had a spontaneous remission, 
okay, so where was the disease or where is it at now? They say it's with the old personality or it's with the old identity. It's the old self-concept. And when that is no longer what you're inhabiting, when your default response becomes something else, you have successfully planted yourself in a new identity, in a new self-concept. Because the issues of the old personality cannot be present in the new one, or the issues of the old self-concept cannot be present in the new one that you have constructed. So this is how I see like the different tiers of what we're going to be doing in Once Upon a Time. So the the first, and in my opinion, the most important piece, because you're going to be doing this, hopefully, for the rest of your life, you're going to have fun with this and it's going to be enjoyable, is character work. Character work is a fucking blast. I have so much good feedback about this, and I have not known anyone else to teach it how I teach it. So character work is giving you a blueprint and frame of reference. Okay, that's number one. Because if you're not aiming at anything, if you have no, nothing to consider that is outside of your habits, then it's really difficult to start shifting into that experience. And so the character work is really important because it gives you that blueprint, it gives you that reference material. Okay, so that's number one. Storytelling is the bridge. Storytelling is how you create the experience. It's how you practice the embodiment. It's how you feel into the thing that you are becoming. It's the skill that is required so that you can start to sculpt what your future is going to be because you're in a constant conversation. You're telling stories, you're anticipating things, you're imagining things, you're in a story. And uh, again, unless you're meditating, you're in a story. So that's going to be the majority of the time, because the majority of the time you're not in a meditative state. Okay, I mean, you can live that way, but consider that's more of a monk archetype. And so more than likely, you're not living that way. (laughs) So you're in a story and the story is how you then sculpt what is going to come next. It's how you feel into what is going to come next because there's a 3D lag. So if you're in the same story, then you're going to get the same shit. It's just going to, you're kicking the can down the road. Then this is what filters in to what we can call your self-concept is it's the bridge to your self-concept. It's the bridge to what becomes automatic, what your automatic expectations are, what your automatic response is, what your automatic go-to thought forms and thought patterns are. So uh, where I disagree is that you cannot, you cannot just say, Hold on. I'm I'm choosing my words very very carefully here. Self-concept is kind of like the finished product. So the the thing that we look at initially when it comes to self-concept is okay, what well what's going on in your life right now? Whatever's happening in your world is an indication of where your self-concept is at. Any pattern that exists is telling you what your self-concept is. Anything that's habitual is telling you what your self-concept is. Any default thoughts, that's your self-concept. Anything that you're saying, of course. Of course I have just enough money. Of course this situation was really inconvenient. Of course this bad thing happened. That's a self-concept issue. So that's the snitch in this whole situation. Then you can start looking a little bit deeper into storytelling and and everything like that. So it's not self-concept being the end product. I don't think that self-concept is a process. And this is where I disagree 
with a lot of other people is they think do self-concept work. And to me, I think, no, no, no. Self-concept is the end of the story. Self-concept is the final product. A a transformed self-concept is like the end game. So I don't agree with the idea of doing self-concept work. How I do it is we do character work. We refine your storytelling. We work on your mindset. We work on the internal experience that you're having because that's where the changes are actually made. And when you do that enough, it results in an improved self-concept. That's the order of operations in this. Let me tune in to the next piece. I see a lot of confusion about this online. And this is part of why I'm bringing this conversation to the forefront is I've seen so many people get confused about self-concept work and they're like, but how do you do it? Because you don't do self-concept work. You can call it that, but it's not an accurate description. That's why it's nebulous. Just telling people like get new self-concept and then people say how and then you don't unpack the how. It's like what are what are we even talking about here? That's why I'm saying, no, it's character work. That's what we're actually focusing on. Now, the other thing that I was talking about last night on Instagram that people really enjoyed was the whole fake it till you make it thing. And this is something that we're definitely going to talk about deeper in Once Upon a Time is whenever you are trying to practice something new, Okay, so if you're being a different way, if you're exercising a skill, keep in mind, and this is also for inner faculties and personal attributes that you have for yourself, traits that you're looking to develop within yourself. In the beginning, you are a novice. So in order to develop something, in order to develop a skill, You have to be bad at it first, generally. Some people are just naturally gifted, right, at certain things. But a lot of the time when you're when you're actually shifting into a new experience and something that you're wanting to have more of, it's the shoes aren't fully broken in yet. And how this can feel for people is like you're an imposter, It gives you the fake it till you make it sensation because there's somewhat of a disconnect from what you're telling yourself and the embodiment factor and the fact that it's new to you. It's uncharted territory. And so that is something that is just a part of the process because keep in mind, if you want anything in your reality to change, you have to jump outside of what is in the present moment. You have to look away from the 3D. Otherwise, you're just going to keep creating the same shit. So if your number one priority is to tell things exactly how it is in your world right now, to never deviate from what you're seeing in front of your face, then you will not be able to successfully create something outside of what you're seeing now. Does that make sense? So this is where there's tension between the idea of, quote unquote, lying to yourself and reality creation. This is why the whole I'm an imposter, I'm a fraud, all that nonsense starts to come up because it's like, well, what do you want? Do you want to create something different? In which case you cannot regard the 3D. You have to separate yourself from it at least part of the time, it's not it's not like you're constantly sitting with your head in the clouds, right? It's not always like that, but you're going to have to find a way to not just cling so tightly to how things are because things are constantly in motion. Things are constantly changing and you at some point have to get the momentum going around something new and different for yourself. You have to practice something different. You have to tell a different story. You have to let the momentum generate so that things can so it can catch that wave that you're already in. 
we were also talking about momentum last night. So let me talk about momentum. I've received questions about this. What am I talking about with momentum? I'm talking about energetic momentum. Energetic momentum is literally everything. I'm I'm serious when I say that. It is thought forms. So thoughts that pop into your mind. It's emotions. It's visual visualizations if you're visual. <clears throat> it's expectations. It's um, then those things becoming dense and manifesting into your tactile experience. The 3D experience is a result of energetic momentum. So when I say momentum, that's everything. That is the whole game. When people are talking about law of attraction, that's momentum. Same thing, just more and more momentum, more and more thought forms, more and more emotions, more and more stories, more and more images and pictures, more and more and more and more. And then poof, all of a sudden it becomes dense enough to where you can physically experience it. So the reason why breaking habits are so difficult is because of momentum. And the reason why people feel like a fraud when they start to practice something new is because of momentum. Think about if you if you have a wheel that is spinning very, very, very fast. Think about those um, merry-go-rounds that are manual at the that you find at the park sometimes. Right. If you have one of those that's spinning and then all of a sudden you try to interrupt it, you just stick your arm in there. It's going to hurt. Right. Or like if you were to stick a stick inside a bicycle wheel. Right. It's going to um, feel bad or it's going to cause some type of rupture. And how we experience this internally or, or the sensation that we have when this is happening is like, OK, we have a lot of negative expectations that have a strong level of momentum going, 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 going. Then we try to interrupt it. Of course, there's going to be that tension that is created, the shakiness, the discomfort, the you know, the deviation from the momentum that already exists. And so that is the hardest part because what ends up happening, and this is also why people try to manifest, but then they fall off the horse. They they try to get the momentum going and maybe they have a good run of it at the beginning, but then they cave to the old pattern because the momentum is strong. It's very easy for you to just give in to those experiences. It's very easy to just cave because you practiced it for so long. When in reality, if you can successfully keep your momentum, commit to generating momentum with the knowledge that if there is enough momentum that is built here, it will materialize. It has to. It has to. This is not magic, even though I use a lot of magical language and I like that perspective. It is not a mystery. It's common sense. We see it all the time. You have had these experiences in your own life. You know what I'm talking about. You practice something and practice and practice and practice and practice and it pops into Something that you can actively see or actively experience. This is how manifestation works. Is there has to be enough energetic momentum behind it in order for it to manifest. This is why negative patterns are very, very strong. And this is also why success patterns or things going well or things going right or whatever. Those types of patterns compound easily as well. So when you have a string of bad luck, right, there's a momentum factor to that. And when you have a string of success, there's momentum to that. It can work in either way. Your job, though, and this is what we're doing in Once Upon a Time, is really staying on top of the momentum, the positive momentum that you want to build. And as I've been feeling into the container and as I've been like, okay, what is the group wanting from me? Like energetically as I'm shaping things and kind of putting together the curriculum for this. 
I'm realizing that recovering quickly is the most challenging thing for people. Momentum that has been established for a really long time is difficult to interrupt. And so then I describe it as like, we'll get back on the horse and get back on the horse quickly. That's the thing that people struggle the most with. Because the old experiences, when your mind is recalling something from your past, it is so compelling. You want to take the bait. It tempts you. It is this vivid picture from past experiences that you want to like let yourself get sucked into because you've experienced it before. It's true. It happened. It's real. (laughs) And so it is beyond tempting to give into those thought forms. And when you do that, you get dragged out into the weeds. Because now all of those other thought forms that were previously a part of that cluster of experience that you had in the past now becomes instantly available. You open Pandora's box as soon as you begin interfacing with this story. And now memories that are complementary, memories and experiences and evidence and other people's stories and songs and TV shows will all come in to supply evidence that is an energetic match to that thought form and that story that you have experienced, that you've lived, that you've practiced for a long time. And that is the part that people have the hardest time with. And so then what happens, and this is for a lot of people, instead of understanding how to change the direction of the momentum, they numb So then you have people who are over consuming, listening, trying to drown out the story because they don't really know what else to do with it and how to construct something else because the momentum has been so goddamn strong for so many years. That is where I come in. Because I am the queen of obsession. Okay? (laughs) It has been the... Like... A gift and a blessing and a curse all at the same time. It's wonderful that I can really, really get on something and I can build momentum quickly. But when it goes sideways and when it's working against me, it is bad. It is bad. It can knock me out for weeks. It has been something that I've had to navigate for years and years and years and years, figuring out how to make this work for me. So trust me. If you deal with sticky thoughts, if you deal with obsession, if you have a hard time letting go of thought forms, if you feel like, my God, I do not know how to stop being this way. I do not know how to expect something else. I don't know how to tell a new story and have it stick. If your stories and your manifestations have felt like pipe dreams and they've been feeling hollow and empty, or you don't know how to break the pattern and break the cycle that you've been in get in once upon a time I'm serious it's next level it I am giving it my all in terms of my personal experience with dealing with that high 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 level of momentum and how to interrupt it and how to work with it and how to reconstruct it and how to interrupt things All of that is what I'm giving you. So that's going to be a part of the toolkit. And what I'm finding more and more is that once upon a time in large part is about momentum. Because it's one thing to tell a story. It's another to consistently embody and feel it and energetically emit the story. That's different. Anyone can write a script and then just not read it. Or you can, you can script for a day, but then you're not continually connecting to the vision and connecting to the story. Then you're not really getting into the energy of this having already occurred, which is what we all want to do. 
if if you're numbing, then you're not acting as if or feeling as if or emitting as if, which is what needs to be done in order for you to establish better momentum in the direction that you want to go. When you numb, you put everything on ice. Or like we talked about in the last episode, if you just say, I don't care, and you have a laissez-faire attitude, you're putting it on ice a lot of the time if you have negative momentum. And so this is about the whole process start to finish. Starting with character work, moving into what I would describe as more sophisticated storytelling, which is not, I'm, I'm going to speak these hollow words and think that the universe is going to buy this shit because it won't. It's about emotion. It's about emitting these things. It's about the solidification of energy that you are bringing to life, okay, through your thought forms. It starts with the mind and body. It starts as an internal experience and it generates so much momentum that it has no choice. It has no choice. I wish, I wish, I wish that I could like just get a bottle of certainty and give it to all of you. Like this, this whole manifestation thing is not complicated. It's like math. You emit it, you hold it, you get it. You emit it with enough certainty, enough expectation, enough confidence, and enough consistency. And again, consistency is the hurdle in the beginning. Because if you're in yes, no, yes, no. Yes, no, I want it, but maybe, yes, I don't know, this is feeling kind of complicated. Well, now that can't come fast. That experience cannot come quickly to you when you are all over the place. Yes, no, I want this, I like this story, but, 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 but. That doesn't work because the universe is responding, reflecting you moment by moment by moment. It's not that you can't have it, but you're not focused if you're doing that. You're not giving yourself a fair shot. And it's like, how many of you honestly, honestly have worked on digging your heels in and committing to I am going to focus on this positively uh, with full conviction for a full month and see what happens. Very few people have, have effectively done that with total discipline. And when they do fall off the horse, getting on quickly, usually what happens is you can try for a while, but then you cave to the old pattern. That's most people's experience. And so this is where you just have to decide for yourself, like, do you want to double down on it or not? And this is also the other thing. I found this actually when I ran my mastermind, Graced, is I had a bunch of people in there who wanted to fast. However, it was extremely difficult for them to fast independently. So I had people inside who were doing it, but it wasn't a collective effort. And so the momentum around fasting, it's like there was a lot of permission to slip up. There was a lot of permission um, because just for some context, in Apex, fasting is a mandatory. So I am doing it with you. I'm fasting with you. I am um, supporting you with the fast. I'm answering like fasting is a big focus in apex. And the interesting thing is when people do apex collectively, it's much easier to fast doing it solo. You give yourself way more permission to screw around with fasting and no, and not go all out with fasting. And this is one of the reasons why people revert back to numbing behavior, even though people know this stuff. It's like, I know I should be consistent. I know I should hold the pose. I know that I should have my mind and my energy behind my desire. 
but numbing out is easier. But not is easier because of momentum. So this is this is essentially the battle that people are facing because understand it is very easy to be complacent right now. You have so many options to distract yourself. You have infinite ways that you can squander your time. You have all sorts of things that you could be doing. You can be entertaining mentally all different timelines and all different possibilities. And if you are not devoted to the one that you want, well, then the energy doesn't have the opportunity to become concentrated enough for it to materialize. And this is why I love running more intense containers because it gives people the opportunity to generate that momentum. Like in Once Upon a Time, there's like zero tolerance for your shitty stories. Like we're not going there. We're not going there. We're not getting in the weeds. Like I am exclusively teaching you how to shift quickly when you do take the bait for a second. And again, I honestly, I feel like I'm an expert at this just because of my obsessive tendencies. Like because I can fall into the old story really quickly and then I have to pivot. And sometimes it does feel like I have to strong arm myself more than with other things and with other areas. Some areas I'm really sensitive to this. Some areas I feel rock solid in in terms of my self-concept and default thoughts and all of that stuff. And so there is more muscling that is required in the beginning. There's you want to be less tolerant of stories and thoughts and feelings and all of this stuff in terms of getting on top of it immediately, recalibrating it immediately. And so that is just the one thing that I have seen over and over and over again, people have a hard time doing on their own without like clear instruction. So the instruction piece that I'm also noticing people are really craving is like, but how? But how? How do I do it? And so that is also one thing that I made sure to include inside Once Upon a Time is like, I will show you how you're going to have all of these things come up. You're going to have the thought forms. You're going to have your weaknesses. You're going to have different characters begin to make an appearance. And we're going to have to learn how to tango with them. Not ignore them. Not ignore them. Because then they start tearing up your couch. Metaphorically speaking. It'll, it'll get destructive if you're not paying attention. It's what do you do with them? Not shove them in the closet. You cannot do that with your shadow at, at all. Rule number one, don't do that. This is why numbing, I know that I talk about this a lot. I talk about overconsumption and numbing is so devastating for people because it's like your shadow is just going to town on your life. It is fucking shit up so bad because you're not doing anything with it. And it does more damage in the dark than it does. You know, sunlight is the best disinfectant. And so it really is about integration. This is what when people are talking about shadow integration, how I see that is essentially you are aware of your shadow self. You're not scared of it. You don't need to be scared of it. Lord knows I'm not I'm not particularly scared of my shadow. I'm like, I get it. I understand you. And now let's give you some snacks and some enrichment and let's let you burn out this energy <laughs> and let's give you something constructive. And it's about working with it. It is just like dealing with the dog. If you have a dog that has a bunch of pent up energy and you're working at your nine to five and it's not trained and it has no enrichment, it's either going to be depressed, which is not good, or it's going to get really destructive. So your shadow self is the exact same way. Anyway, where was I going with all of this? That was a whole other, that was a whole other rant. Okay, let's get back to self-concept. Hold on, there's more. 
The other interesting thing about character work, I'm going to talk about this as it relates to self-concept, is character work does not mean that you all of a sudden are faking everything and you're and and you become this character. That's also not how I do character work. I know it might sound that way, but it's not. Again, it's about reference material. It's about understanding a starting point. It's about letting yourself go into stretch into other possibilities rather than shrink into old ways of being. And this is one of the things that I know is really elusive for people is that stretching component of stretching into the new experience into the new emotions or the the emotions that are not established within your system because emotional patterns you can also see them as neurotransmitters you can see them as chemicals sensations though there is an element of momentum that has to do with that as well So momentum, or some people might describe this as addiction, like you getting addicted to the chemical compounds. Because you're a chemical factory. You have chemicals flooding your body, depending on how much sunlight exposure you get, or what time you go to bed, or what quality of light you have at what time during the day. How early you have caffeine in your system, whether or not you're exercising. All of these things... All of these things result in like an explosion, a a cascade of chemical events that happens within your body and within your system. And so when you are used to something like negative thoughts, right? So let's say you know a story real well. It's very upsetting. It's disturbing to anyone that you tell. You know it like the back of your hand, And there's all sorts of emotion that starts to get welled up within your system as soon as you tell the story. And if you are telling this story often and you can go there often, there's a good chance that you are just desiring to feel that chemically induced state because other states of being and other emotional um, experiences are not practiced. So if you are not used to the sensation of something better, a lot of the time you're going to want some type of emotional hit instead of no emotional hit. But the thing is, when you have a practice of being able to tap into confidence, power, pleasure, love, bliss, satisfaction, all of those are also chemical states. So there's a chemical composition to other emotions as well. And so this is why meditation is a really hard practice for people um, in the early stages because it's really pushing you to get into non-thought. And non-thought is uncomfortable, understandably so. But it's just that I I want that rush of chemicals and meditation gives you nothing. And when I'm saying meditation, I'm talking about like a garden variety, stopping your thought type of meditation, quieting the mind type of meditation. There's no, because you are not engaging with any of the thought forms, you're allowing them to just pass you by or you're breathing them away then there's not that compound that you're attaching yourself to, that you're summoning within your body. And so for many people, what I'm what I'm seeing is that you're just used to emotions and a chemically induced sensation inside of yourself that isn't good. It's not good for you. It's stressful. It's worrying. It's uh, even like the next the expectations that you have for others. Like I know that this person is going to do blah, 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 blah. Okay, that stuff has got to stop. You your job is to find a way into a better emotional state, because then when you're able to successfully do that, better things come to you. You evoke the best from others. You feel better. 
If someone is doing something bothersome, you aren't tearing yourself up inside because it's a negative emotional experience. You have more stability. When your 3D is presenting yourself with some is presenting you with something that is not ideal, you're still able to keep your internal world intact. Your foundation doesn't get all shaken up. These things matter a lot. Your internal experience matters a lot. And this is why there is a bridge where here, here's how I would describe it. You're beginning to feel into the new experience. Okay, so in Once Upon a Time, it's like we have our frames of reference. We have our blueprints. Then you are working on your storytelling ability. Now, the thing is, in this process, and even if it gets to the point where it's um, starting to trickle into your self-concept, there is still this experience where you have the old 3D reality The manifestations haven't popped yet, but things are moving on an energetic level. The solidification is taking place. But if you start to look around at your 3D experience and say, and and like take the bait that is coming from 3D, that will distract you. That is a distraction from what you're actually wanting to create. And so this liminal space where things have not fully clicked in yet, that's what screws people up is not being able to handle that, not being able to hold that, not being able to trust even when it hasn't fully materialized. And so now it's interesting at this stage in the game for myself, the way that I measure whether or not I have integrated something is if I know that the 3D is not shaking my expectations. So if something hasn't materialized, then I still know. If I'm not seeing something yet or I'm not having an experience yet and I still know. And I still am holding the energy of I know this to be true and this is how it's going to go. But that type of confidence and expectation of the energetic world is something that you have to start the momentum around that. And then by the time that you have a fully solidified self-concept from new practices, new expectations, new ways of activating it, because it is something that in the beginning you have to turn on. And I, I say like, Starting the lawnmower, like getting the momentum going initially, turning on the engine, getting things going, like that's the hardest part because then it's like it does get a lot smoother over time. And so then you get to experience all of the wonderful goodies that come from a stable self-concept and being able to manifest quickly from that grounded space of this is just how it is. That's something that takes time to solidify, not in terms of it 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 takes time um, on the universe's part. It takes time for you to stabilize yourself within a desired momentum. That's what takes time. The universe is instant. Your desires being reflected back to you or being able to be provided to you, that is something that is instantaneous. The best example that I have for this. If you are an astral playground, you know that back in February, I did an atomic love session is what I called it. And one of the things that came up for me, because we were we were working with energy, I was doing all my imagination things, and the strawberry shortcake smell and color and taste all started to come up for me. And when I went upstairs, there was strawberry shortcake. It was happening as I was emitting that. And I had no clue that was going to be. But it was, there was no time lag because I didn't have any resistance or negative thought forms, negative patterns around the expectation of strawberry shortcake. It was just something that felt good to emit. And then the universe instantaneously harmonized with me as I was holding the energy. I didn't even have to go anywhere 
to get the strawberry shortcake. I didn't have to prepare it. How crazy is that? It just came into my experience instantaneously. That is true of all things. Do you have a rock solid expectation that that is how things get to be for you when it comes to money and love and success and whatever? Probably not. Because if you did, you would already be experiencing it without a time lag. Momentum is either your best friend or your worst enemy. Your self-concept is either your best friend or your worst enemy. Your stories are your best friend or your worst enemy. The characters that you buy into are your best friend or your worst enemy. You've got to figure that out. You know, it's like this is the work. (sighs) Anyway, come to Once Upon a Time. Come to Once Upon a Time. It is going to be so fucking good. I, I don't even know what to say. All of this, if you've been liking this podcast series that I've been doing, you are going to love Once Upon a Time. If you enjoyed the storytelling episode, the character work episode, this episode, it's like, this is, understand, this is just my free shit, okay? This is not, this isn't even the meat of what I have in store for Once Upon a Time. This is like, an appetizer is not is too strong of a word for what this is, for what I have to give inside Once Upon a Time. We are doing so much fun stuff, and it's also mastermind style. Here's the other thing that I'll say. If you like how I'm running something, so for example, Once Upon a Time, I'm, I'm treating it like an intensive. Like we are intensely focused on generating positive momentum in the direction that you want to go for the whole month. That's all we're doing. And it's a mastermind space, so you get full Voxer, you get weekly calls that are going to be much longer than usual. Usually, mastermind calls have a tendency to be around like 60 to 90 minutes, depending on how many people are there. But these ones are going to be more involved. So it's more of like, they feel like classes, they feel like processes, where I'm teaching you about the how of all of this where there is a method to the madness, there is a process, there is um, like we're going hard in the beginning so that you can kickstart that momentum so that then it feels easier to maintain. If your momentum is yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, in the beginning, then it's not gonna stick. If you go super, super, super hardcore in a sprint version, then it becomes easier to maintain once you have that momentum that's been generated. If you like how I am running this, because again, this is my first time running it like this, get in. Because I never know if I'm going to run a mastermind or a program again until I run it the first time. So for example, Big Kid School, I will never run Big Kid School how I did this year. I'm never doing that again the way I did it this year. If I do decide to bring it back. The Lost Teachings of Marilyn Monroe will never be recorded again. That is what it is. So the people who got it, you got it. (laughs) The people who got Big Kid School, you got Big Kid School. And so if you see something of mine that you like, get on it. I also added an extended payment plan if you need smaller payments over the course of three months that is also available because I'm really excited about this and I just, I'm excited to have people inside. And so I just wanted, I like giving everyone a fair warning. Like I have to run it once before I decide what I want to do with it. If I want to keep it around, if it becomes a staple, if it's a one-off mastermind that I'm running, I never know what I'm going to do until after the fact or until I'm already in the container. So once upon a time, applications are open. I am probably going to close applications. I haven't set a day yet. We're going to have our first call the first week of August. So my recommendation to you would be secure your seat by July 31st. At the very, very, very latest, you don't want to be getting into Once Upon a Time late. This is not the type of container where 
you you're going to be able to join five days in. Like there's not going to be any grace period once the container starts because it is so short. We're only doing this for a month. It's going to be a very intense banging month. And so there's not really any flex time because then that that cuts into your experience of it. And so if you would like to experience this with me, then get inside, get inside, get inside. You will be rock solid in your momentum by the end, guaranteed. Guaranteed. The story that you want to embody, we're doing it. Like I'm we're not fucking around in this. This is this is going to be a really intense season for all of us because I'm doing this and then we're moving into apex season. So I'm like, no, we're doing it. You want changes? You want manifestations? Okay then. Let's go. What are what are you doing? Let's do this. I'm not playing around. Like I was even on the, I was on the phone with one of my friends and she was, we were talking business and she was asking me if I was like insecure about my quality of work. I said, hell no. Are you kidding me? I feel like getting people results is the easiest part of my job. I swear to you, I could do that blindfolded with my hands tied behind my back. I know how to get people results. That's the easy part of my work. Okay. I'm just making it easier for people to get in my world and then get results as as a result of working with me. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, let's do this. I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you hyped the fuck up right now? I'm hyped the fuck up right now. (laughs) All All right, friends. If you like this, send it to your friends. Leave a thumbs up. Leave me a glowing review on Spotify. I'd really appreciate it. Um, Subscribe to my YouTube channel. I am here. I am in love with podcasting. I can't wait to bring you more. And again, uh, get into Once Upon a Time. I'm going to be closing the doors soon. So make sure that you are in the mix. We're going to have a good time. And I will talk to you all later. Bye.